Thanks for listening to the nice podcast. I'm Dave Delaney. If you haven't noticed, we've taken a little bit of a hiatus over the last several months. Uh, A big revelation was found. I have ADHD, and that explains a whole lot. And of course, naturally, as a veteran podcaster, I started another podcast all about it, and it's called ADHD Wise Squirrels, and you can find it at wisequirrels.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Just search ADHD Wise Squirrels. Pop over and have a listen. Let me know what you think. Thanks. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Every interaction counts, right? I mean, it, when we think about those things that are powerful for us, it forces me sometimes to pause when I'm in a rush or I'm multitasking or somebody bops their head in. It's like every interaction really has the opportunity to make a difference. Nice. 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 Nice with Dave Delaney. Welcome to the NICE podcast, all about communication, collaboration, and becoming better leaders. I'm your host, Dave Delaney from futureforth.com, where we help you retain talent, improve culture and communication so you have happier, more connected teams. Today, I'm speaking with Shirley Bloomfield, the CEO of NTCA, the World Broadband Association, a group, uh, a big group that I I, uh, I really have a special place in my heart for, and I'm sure we'll get into that. But Shirley, welcome to NICE. Thank you so much, Dave. I'm delighted to be here with you today. Yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you here. So I always like to start these things with the question, what is the nicest thing someone has done for you recently? Oh, that is such a that is such a good icebreaker that you're now going to make me think about it. Okay, so I will share that yesterday I had six hours of a trustee meeting plus a board call in the middle of it, and I was doing it from home since I knew I'd have to be like parked to my computer. And my husband came back in with a salad at lunchtime, slid it underneath my computer so I can, I literally just, it was really thoughtful, right? So yes. little things that are very, very nice and mean a lot. It, you know, it, and that's great. Uh, that's really kind of him to do that. And also it is amazing how often the answer is something, something someone's spouse did. It's, it's ah, pretty, isn't that nice? Yeah, it is. It is. I do the yeah. opposite. So I work not, not the opposite, but I work from home. So, and my wife is a, a school teacher. Um, and so she is nearby. And so I pop over from time to time and surprise her with like some caffeine, usually <laughs> some, some coffee or something like that, just to kind of get her through her day. Cause God knows she's the one doing the real work here. But you know, Dave, the other thing is, if I can just say, neither you nor my husband are being completely selfless, because let's be honest, 
when we spouses get hungry or tired, um, we get cranky. So honestly, we're easier to live with if we are fed and caffeinated. Yeah. So we all win. Yeah. There's like a British kind of uh, saying, what is it? It's like happy wife, happy life. <laughs> so, yeah, and I would throw hangry in there somewhere too, but yes, absolutely. hundred percent. A hundred percent. So let's start by talking a little bit about uh, uh, also, uh, well, first of all, I know you're a huge fan of collaboration and partnerships and the NTCA reaches nearly 850 independent telecommunications companies all across the country. So what are some ways that you use to connect with so many people over such a vast country, like a vast region? Like, tell me a little bit about how, well, first of all, tell me a little bit about your role and what you do. Let, let me get into that. But I am curious about, I'm sure that this kind of plays into that, like how you find different partnerships and collaborations and things across the country. So, yeah. Yeah. So we, so you mentioned that we've got these 850 community-based um, providers who, you know, started cell phone companies. Now they're broadband providers, very high tech, but really bringing these essential services to these communities that were frankly left behind by large nationwide carriers decades ago. And these folks filled in the void. So that already makes them very focused on how they can serve their community, which is a great place to start. So, um, so in terms of how we connect with them, you know, picture, you know, next time you're in an airplane and you're flying over like Iowa, Kansas, Nebraska, you know, and you, you looked out the window and you see a lot of land down there. Uh, my guys all have infrastructure and um, broadband and fiber plant down below you. You may not see a lot of highways and cars. Um, so they are they are not only spread out across the country, they are spread out into some of the most remote and um, rural regions of the country. So we think a lot about how we connect with them. We think a lot about how we communicate um, and and um, and trying to do that in a time when there's so much communication, so many things coming at us. You know, how how do we make sure that we resonate with whatever we are trying to do with our folks? But you know, I think a lot about collaboration because because my companies are small. They're they're small companies. They're small businesses. Um, some of them are providing communication services to a couple thousand people. My largest one, maybe to a hundred thousand. Um, so there's things that it's easier to try to find a focal point, like like an organization like NTCA, to help create some scope and scale. What what can we do? I always think about what are the pain points my companies are having. They're deploying fiber. They're trying to connect new communities. They're thinking about how their anchor institutions, their schools, and their libraries and their hospitals are connected. They're thinking about how they build not just for plant today, but for 10 years from now. So, so I think about like, where are those pain points? How can I get them communicated? And then what can we do as a national organization to pull everybody to the table to say, well, if, if I get a hundred companies around the table doing this, um, it's easier, it's cheaper. Um, and we may be able to provide services that you never even thought you needed in terms of, cybersecurity, or maybe you want to bring your broadband services into an unserved community, but it's off your beaten path. Is there somebody you can partner with to, to, to do that job to make it a little bit easier? So mm. I think a lot about you know how we connect dots. I, th I think of myself really not just CEO of NTCA. I, I'm really the master dot connector. Yeah. And I, that's a brilliant uh, summary there. And I love the fact that you do that because 
you know, I wrote a book a few years ago called New Business Networking, and and I'm all about networking and doing it the right way, and and connecting with people and and providing value, and and well, part of that is is being mindful of how you can connect people, how you can serve them. So, do you use? I'm curious, like personally, do you use some sort of CRM or like customer relationship management tool or something so that you can keep track of? you know, maybe a want and a need, wants and needs from different people in different places and their talents. So, so you can almost be that connector or you are that connector, but I mean, you're, you're serving a lot of people. So yeah. How do you keep track of all that? So, so we're going through our RFP right now. We do not have that system in place yet, Um, but I, I will share. So I have spent, so for me, I've spent, um, Oh gosh, it's really hard to to, to count, but probably um, with a little break in between, well over thirty years working with these folks. So I have a really, I, I, I it's really personal to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I do, um, I work with my board. My board of directors to me is a great touch point in terms of what are the members thinking. They're elected by their peers. They are set out geographically. They are set up by corporate culture. So half of them are cooperatives. Half of them are locally or family owned. Um, so they're they're my first touch point on a lot of things. Also, I need their blessing um, if I'm going to spend a lot of money on something. Yeah. But what I also do is I create these little groups. So I have a group that I call my futures group. And every uh, 18 months or so, I pick out 25 or 30 people who I think are the next leaders. They're they're still kind of new in their role, still kind of maybe they came from other industries, maybe they grew into their role. And and I I gather with them every other month um, in person, but then online when uh, in between and periodically will pop in questions. Hey, what would you think about if we do this in the wireless space? What would you think about this? So they're my they're my way of gathering what is that next generation thinking? What is the ones who, you know, they may not have been in their role 20 years, but they're fresh and they're thinking things. Mm-hmm. Then I have a group of women um, in telecom. So I, I have a whole separate group of women who are in our industry and I have an executive leadership group for that. So that is another group that I, you know, I bounce things off. I have a women in telecom listserv. What are you thinking about this? So so I'm more of a hunter and gatherer. Um, than a, than than using technology. Yeah. Um, and then I do a ton of traveling. I I literally am starting um, next week. I'll be hitting, you know, I'll be hitting Kentucky. I'll be hitting Nebraska. Then I'm going to Tennessee. Then I'm going to Ohio. Then I'm going to um, Texas. I, you know, so I use those opportunities to really to listen, um, to sit down. And and at most NTCA meetings, I'll host a what's on your mind kind of roundtable. Mm. And it's like it's a chance for people to sit down and be like, just throw stuff out there. Tell me what you're thinking. Tell me what you know. And I find that um, I'm stunned if I don't walk away with a, a pad full of notes of like things to think about. So, yeah, I'm totally old school, but mine is really very. Um, yeah, mine is very much, you know, just kind of putting my fingers out there and putting my ears out there. Yeah, no, I love that. And and it's 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 wonderful. So you're almost like putting you're putting almost like a like a SIG, like a special interest group, you know, putting these groups together mm-hmm. of of different people and sort of facilitating th- those um which which is fantastic. I'll give you a little hack that I use which is um I often I'm fairly well connected with folks. Uh, I'm in Nashville, by the way, that's where I I live. Drop by uh let me know when you're in Tennessee and we can hang out. But so I wanted to mention so because I'm pretty well connected and I literally wrote a book about networking, I get people a lot saying, Hey Dave, do you know, like, 
a WordPress developer, or do you know uh, a consultant who can specialize in X, Y, or Z? And I always reply, unless I can think of somebody right, apply, right away, I always reply to that email with, I'll keep my eyes open, blah, blah, blah. Or don't worry, I'll keep my eyes open, something like that. And then when somebody emails me and they says, hey, Dave, I just got laid off. I need a job. I'm looking for a job as a WordPress developer or whatever. I'll, I'll let them know. I, I will say the same phrase. I'll keep my eyes open. And then what I do for, uh, like once a week is I'll search through my email for the phrase, keep my eyes open. And that, and then I can look at the recent emails I received by that term and start to connect folks that way. And that that's worked out really worked out really well over the years. I love that because you know what my my email is also my filing cabinet. So yeah, I, I love your creating a code. That okay, that's a good hack. I'm going to steal it or borrow it. Yes, <laughs> it is yours <laughs> to keep. I've done a fair amount of travel speaking as well, and. And, you know, I speak, I spoke at, at an event for, for Google years ago in Iqaluit, uh, Nunavut in the Canadian Arctic um, and talk about a rural community. I mean, we're talking tundra there where there's no trees because the ground is permafrost. So they can't, they can't dig. Um, so all the, all the, the wiring, plumbing, everything is above ground, um, which is pretty, pretty interesting. And then I, I think about uh, Iceland, uh, a, a country that I absolutely love. And in Iceland, you can be in the most rural place and the the internet broadband is lightning fast because it's all underground. It's it, it was fascinating to me. We were, we, my family and I were stuck in this little hut. It's a long story, but it was like, and I won't bore you with the gory details, but it was like possibly a hurricane oncoming. It was, it was insane. We didn't know whether we were going to die. <laughs> my wife and I were like, oh my gosh. Um, but the, but the internet was like, even in Tennessee during a storm, like the internet goes out and, and he, when the power goes out and here it was just lightning fast. So t- tell me a little bit about some of the initiatives you're doing to help, uh, help, you know, improve broadband and, and improve access to broadband across the country. And, and very quickly, Percentage-wise, how much of the country is still without broadband? Well, okay, that is a loaded question. So I'm going to start with your your last part first, and that okay. is um, still to be determined. I think people kind of throw out different numbers. You know, anywhere from 17 uh, million to 33 million Americans still not connected. But I think what we're going to see at the end of June is a much better picture. And I say that because. The FCC, which is the regulatory body that um, is charged with regulating the communications industry, has been tasked by Congress before billions of dollars in infrastructure money go out the door to actually map, to actually Mm. create a map that says, here's where broadband is, here's where it's not, here's where it is, but it's kind of subpar, here are the speeds, here's the capacity. So that map has been under construction for the last um, year or two Mm. and um, gone through a couple of different challenge processes. And that's going to be released to the public. And that is going to give us the best snap, snapshot we have to date of who served, who's unserved, who's underserved. And when I say underserved, I think things that people used to consider to be a definition of broadband, 10-1, um, are things that we all learned, particularly during the pandemic, that you can't have a kid doing homework at the kitchen counter with a Zoom class and VPN into your network and have somebody gaming in the basement. Can't do it. 
because you don't have, you know, the speeds were simply not sufficient. So, um, so that's going to be the first step. And so what we've been doing is we've been working really hard with Congress, with the administration, the White House, um, particularly, you know, for years, as everybody's wanted to call a week in Washington infrastructure week, it's always infrastructure week, we're going to build roads and bridges. And we kept saying, and broadband, and broadband, and then COVID hit. And then people were like, and broadband. Wow, you know what? That's really necessary. It's like, hmm, ah. yeah, V8 moment here. Yes. Um, so we, um, so, so to make a very long story short, there is a, there's billions of dollars that are now flowing into the pipeline to really kind of tackle the challenge of ensuring that um, kind of very consistent with our mantra, which is that every uh, rural American should have access to affordable, accessible, reliable uh, connectivity. Mm. And we very much see that as our role is is working with our member companies to be a big part of that solution. They can't do everything. Um, They're not everywhere. But um, we really think through policy decisions that are really consistent with what is it going to take to get people connected and if you can't afford it, what is it going to take to to have Americans be able to afford this service? So, so there's already money flowing, um, and a big chunk of that money is going to start flowing at the end of this year from the Infrastructure Act to the tune of sixty five billion dollars, which mm-hmm. will be primarily for actually building the networks. But the other part of that funding is going to be used for digital equity, digital inclusion. How do we make sure that people understand there's a value proposition to being connected? Um, And how do we make sure that we really kind of as a society use that connectivity for good? So a lot Mm. of really exciting things are coming up. Um, So we are running as fast as we can to get all of these pieces together. And I love how transparent you are you know, you do such a great job. You're such a good role model in in the work that you do. I mean, I love seeing your interviews on, uh, you know, and also just the fact that you are so transparent on your blog, on the website, and, and you know, you write a lot on there and share kind of updates of what's going on and you bring humor and, and, you know, your personality to it, which is, which is, I'm sure everyone appreciates as well. You're very kind, Dave, but if I just sat there and talked about fiber optics all the time, people would be like, <laughs> Oh, okay. That was really boring. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and you know what? There's nothing that's more fun than walking to a meeting in the middle of Missouri and having people be like, hey, how's your puppy doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are no secrets with me, Dave. There's no secrets. It's too complicated keeping secrets. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be 
to be. Well, and you've been a, like the CEO. I mean, you said you've worked in the space for about 30 years and, and you've been the CEO of, of NTCA for nearly 13 years, 13 in July. And kudos to you for that, because that that's huge. Um, what have you learned as a, so uh, and I'll, for our listeners here, uh, I've done. Uh, you know, I've done a, a couple different speaking engagements for NTCA uh, over the years, which I absolutely love to do because it's just such a, a warm, great audience, great, great people. I love the networking; everyone's wonderful. And I've also had the wonderful uh, experience of training your member relations team, uh, Melanie and her team, who are just fantastic people, so talented, and I absolutely love working with them, kind of uh, workshopping presentation skills and and design and things like that. Uh, just always just such a wonderful, wonderful experience. I raise that all because the people that I've met who work for NTCA have worked for NTCA like seven, eight, 10, 20 years. Like it's, it's crazy, the retention uh, uh, there. Tell me a little bit about what you've learned in your tenure there in 13 years of 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 retaining talent because you you clearly do a wonderful job at it. Ah, uh, you're very kind. I'm very lucky. Lucky. You know, I I will say Dave, I think the biggest reason we have so much wonderful retention um is that people really are more mission-based than sometimes they're willing to admit mm. or they realize when they get here that it's really nice to be mission-based. And when I say that, I mean that, you know, when you work here and you meet our members and you interface with them or you go out into the field with them, you know, you get it. The light bulb comes off. These are people who are doing great things in communities that really need it. And it, it changes lives. And, you know, we continue to impress upon our team that I don't care what role you have, whether you're a lobbyist, whether you're one of our amazing member um, relations people, or, or even if you're working on our finance department, everything you are doing is touching our mission. And um, and we try to find ways to get people to connect to that. So uh, one of the things I will do uh, is um, field trips. So we, we will later this year, um, getting back into it after COVID, we take a busload of our people from Arlington out to West Virginia. We take a busload of them from North Carolina operation um, to visit one of our members in the Carolinas. Um, getting them in the field, meeting the tax, seeing the operation, understanding, you know, seeing the community. And then during COVID, I had the opportunity to, um, I asked a few of my um, terrific CEOs if they would take my team on a virtual tour. So we would do a Zoom and I, you know, these GMs are carrying the phone around and we'd get <laughs> a little car sick, but they would, you know, they would show us like one of them in South Dakota literally showed us his drive to the office and my team was amazed they're like where's the grocery stores where's the where's where are the houses and he was like we're in the middle of Highmore South Dakota there is no grocery store yeah. for my team who sits here in Arlington Virginia to be like wow wow and yet they are providing these services and there's no grocery store um so it's connecting and and having them see it and feel it and and feel a part of it i think is really important so you know and I will say these these folks are amazing. The very first time, you know, my my oldest child is um, well into her thirties and a mother herself now. But the the first time I was pregnant, I was a little nervous because you know it's real America. I'm a working woman. You know, what are they going to think? 
And I was running the Government Affairs Committee at that time. And and um, at one point in the meeting, as I'm about ready to pop, all the guys pull boxes out from under the table. They had this impromptu baby shower for me with baby overalls and little, you know, and I, yeah. you know, your family, you work here, your family. And that's really nice. It's really special. That's really great. I love that. I think there's something to be said, you know, being, being a person. So I grew up downtown Toronto, you know, a city with, I guess we're looking, I guess there's probably about five, 6 million people now, but there were certainly over a million or two when I was a kid. And so always growing up very urban and, and even, you know, Nashville to an extent, some pretty relatively decent sized city, especially in the 16 years I've lived here, Whew, the city has grown astronomically. Um, but I have had the great, like, like for example, I married my wife's uh, parents are both from West Tennessee, and they're both from rural, uh, rural towns in West Tennessee, and 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 one of them grew up uh, on a on a farm, and so I've really had. It's been wonderful to meet folks rurally, and 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 you realize. I just actually I was just speaking just a number of weeks ago, um, I did a keynote presentation for the uh, for the Rural uh, uh, Community Council of Alabama down in Gulf Shores. And that audience, there was a little bit of, of, of folks like uh, lobbyists and, po- and politicians and things, but for the most part, it was farmers. And here I am. I mean, my message resonates with people. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. Um, and And I had such a wonderful time speaking with them and really realizing afterwards coming home and thinking like, I need to talk to my two teenagers to remind them like where that apple came from. And, and so you really start to, to learn about, about rural. Tell me what's your backstory. Where are you, where are you from originally? Like, where did you grow up? So I was kind of a a corporate child. So Mm. my dad, you know, it's classic. You can, you can take the map and pinpoint it and and name the industry. So, you know, born in New York under IBM umbrella, and then, you know, moved to Michigan and Indiana and Wisconsin. Um, Primary years growing up, mostly in Wisconsin, Mm. um, was, was really kind of, you know, my family subsequently moved, but, you know, kind of the place I consider to be, um, a little bit of home base yeah. and then, uh, went to school, you know, Northwestern in the Midwest. So, so definitely have kind of that Midwestern sensibility, which means I talk to people on the elevator and they get really nervous and back away, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> I do that too. I think it's a Canadian in me. I just like talking to people and I'm, I'm just, yeah. Wisconsin, Canada. I'm, you know, there's a lot of similarities there, Dave. You're honorary. Cold, Canadian. <laughs> you know, we, we need to connect to stay warm. Yeah. Cheese curds. I, I'm just saying, yeah, let's talk about the good stuff. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Uh, I was actually, yeah, I was speaking at another different conference in La Crosse, uh, uh, a couple of years or not, uh, maybe a year ago. And, uh, what a, like that city, I, I didn't, I didn't know anything about La Crosse and what a cool, what a great city. What a beautiful city. It's the perfect size, right? Yeah. It's yeah. That it's got services, but it's not so big and you're right on the Mississippi and it's pretty stunning. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. people talk to you and they offer you cheese curds and beer. So it's good. The world's largest uh, six pack is there. You know, Wisconsin (laughs) has many, many distinctions, Dave, and uh, many of them do tend to uh, revolve around beer. (laughs) (laughs) When, 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 uh, so I I spoke, as you know, we met up at the, uh, at the telecom executive forum 
in uh, in St. Pete's recently, which uh, why have I never been to St. Pete's before? I don't know. It's a beautiful city, uh, Tampa, Clearwater, but never St. Pete's. Um, and one of your speakers, John, uh, specialized in, in marketing and promotions for for rural communities, for businesses, small businesses in rural communities. And uh, yeah, we were we were talking about those, you know, the the challenges and the different things that that uh, rural communities and businesses face. But what are some of the challenges that you see, you know, rural telecoms facing as it pertains to maybe growing their businesses, finding new talent, like recruiting talent? I know that's a big one. And then maybe retention isn't as big a problem, but certainly, you know, getting new talent can be challenging yeah. as, as folks retire and so on. You know, I, I think there's a couple of challenges that are are very unique. And since you hit on workforce um, and it's mm-hmm. top of mind for us, certainly we'll share there. We we actually are part of the White House Talent Pipeline Challenge, um, which means we've been working very closely with them in terms of some initiatives to get up and running to really kind of help address some of that. Um, so, so we've been doing things, everything from creating K through 12 toolkits for, for, for our companies to use with their local schools to get young people starting to think about this is a great career path because, you know, um, you can start off being in the IT department or outside plant or finance for a independent broadband company, one of our members, and you can end up being the CEO. You 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 can actually get to the C-suite because it's the, they're those kind of companies. So, mm. so getting kids to think about that career, it's another reason we've gone on the path of really promoting esports. Our members do a lot of work already with supporting their local esport team. We used to call them gamers. Um, they're now esports. And you know, for the yeah. kids who choose to do that as opposed to football, what we find is those kids are very technologically oriented. And my my um, companies are not only sponsoring the team, giving them the bandwidth and the cool T-shirts, mm. but they are then giving them internships. And what we are finding is that is an amazing path to hiring these young people and keeping them in the community. So continuing to connect a few a few dots in that space. That, and and then the training for those that they have. So we actually created a partnership with Northwood Technical College up in um, up in Wisconsin to do this their broadband academy where folks can actually do some virtual reality hands on training along with the training on online um, when it works for them. It's a great program. So giving them the tools, the tool I can't give them is just bodies. Um, just finding yeah. bodies is tough. But the other thing NTCA does that I think helps with the recruitment side um, is that we do run our own benefit program. So we have a pension plan. We have an amazing savings plan. We offer our own group health plan. So again, thinking of these small companies as small employers, they may have 30 employees, but they get to be part of a trust that has 55,000 lives that get covered in group health. That's the kind of scope and scale that they can't create on their own. So that gives them great benefits, which once you find that employee is a wonderful retention tool. But um, but but that challenge is tough. And then the other challenge is, is uh, there's two others that I would say. One is the challenge of geography. You're just going to have tough geography. You know, my guys out West have mountain ranges in between and they're trying to build broadband and they've got to go through forest land or over railroads or, um, you know, thinking through, um, you know, you're, I've got 
12 companies in Alaska. And let me tell you, that is a challenge. Mm. They literally up in the Arctic slope have somebody who guards for the polar bears who want to eat the fiber optics as they're laying it. Those who would think about those things is a problem, but those are problems. So, yeah. you know, so, so there's definitely things that are, you know, very, very top of mind for us as we, as we think about, you know, how, how we continue to, to make, you know, go forward. The last challenge that I would say is one that I see being driven by a lot of federal funding. There's a lot of money coming into this pipeline. There's a lot of money for rural broadband. Five years ago, we were beating our head against the wall, trying to get policymakers to pay attention. Now there's a lot of money. Well, with a lot of money comes a lot of entities that just crop up because there's a lot of money. Mm. So it's not that my guys are afraid of competition, but, you know, there's a lot of shiny new toys out there that are making a lot of promises um, that don't have the same kind of commitment to their communities. Those are things that I worry about. Those are things that keep me up at night when I think, you know, people are like, ah, there's a hundred billion dollars coming. Isn't this great? And you're like, oh, yeah, not always. Um, yeah. So, you know, those are those are some things that I see on the horizon. Yeah, those are good points. And yeah, there's always with success it's almost like winning the lottery and then everybody is trying to get a piece of you not that i would know <laughs> um but your best friends right new yeah, best friends yeah right interesting interesting um uh, you, you <laughs> so when i was I, I i mentioned it earlier when i was speaking in in akalawit in in nunavut uh <laughs> you reminded me cuz you mentioned polar bears um i i went for a walk um to uh, it's longer story, but the short version is I walked, I, I went for like an hour walk to a small community on my own, just down the road type of deal. And this elderly couple picked me up on my way back and said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm just walking to somewhere. And they said, get in. And they insisted that I get in. And I'm like, okay. And I got in their minivan and they drove me back and they're like, don't you know, there's polar bears out here. And not only do polar bears like to eat, you know, wires and tubes and all the things they also really like to eat people apparently so uh yeah i was almost <laughs> i thought it'd be kind of cool for my kids though they could tell you how'd your dad die oh he was mauled by a polar bear like what a cool story <laughs> I, as you're telling me this story i'm like strangers in a minivan polar bear i don't know, yeah. like, <laughs> I don't know go either way i know i know uh yeah it was it was uh it was an interesting experience for sure Tell me about someone that was uh, especially nice to you in your career. Nobody. No, I'm just kidding. I'm totally <laughs> kidding. People were nice to me. <laughs> you know, um, that's a really interesting question. I um, I think a lot of people were very nice to me. I think um, I I think some of the most impactful um, things for me and in, in terms of my career were um, when I was uh, a relatively new staff person here at NTCA in my first go around, um, I had a gentleman who was the head of my government affairs committee. He was a lawyer for a co-op called Ben Lohman that is not terribly far. They're in McMinnville, Tennessee. <laughs> and, uh, and, and Judge Dempster was the chairman of the committee. You know, he was already one of these wise country lawyers who was probably, you know, in his 70s when when I started with the organization, who kind of took me under his wing and um, really, you know, gave me counsel, um, gave me tough love when needed. You know, he would do the like, 
hey, girl, stop talking so fast at us all the time. <laughs> you know, and I, and I say that with so much love because um, he helped assimilate me. He helped me understand the culture of the people I was working with and for. And instead of kind of hitting headwinds, he was like, here, let me open the door a little bit for you. Let me let me give you some insights and do it in a way that was charming and welcoming and folksy and um, with so much knowledge and love um, at the whole time. So I, I look at somebody like that who who really didn't have to kind of take me under his wing, but he did. And I he's long since um, passed away. But I was thinking of mm. him this weekend because I found I was cleaning closets because it was raining and that's what I do. Yeah. And yeah. I came upon this baby brush that he had given uh, when my first child was born and with her, her initials engraved. And I was like, wow. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, 35 years ago and uh, still, still think about him very fondly. And it's just having those people in your life, which is why I, you know, I am always mindful of, um, of, of what role we can play in terms of pulling that next person up and opening the door and giving insights and doing it in a way that isn't judgmental, but is in a way that is very welcoming um, mm. and supportive. The presentation I did in St. Pete's, I opened that presentation with a story of how when I was a kid, I had like you know, a group of really close friends and we would skateboard together and go to concerts together and movies and all the things. And there was always a guy in the group who I recognize as the leader. We would never say you're the leader, and no, you know, nor would he claim to be. But there was one guy who was always thought as the leader. And I got together with one of the guys from that group not that long ago, maybe five or 10 years ago or something, but certainly 20, 30 years after we all hung out. And I was reflecting on that and I explained to him how we were his name came up and I said, Oh, yeah, our fearless leader. And my friend looked at me and like, he gave me this stare, like what? And he said, Dave, you were the leader. And I was like, wait, what? Like, I really, like, I was totally like flabbergasted. I'm like, wait, what are you talking about? And he's like, you were always the leader. And it completely floored me that, that one of my best friends in the world had considered me kind of the leader of the pack when I never, I never realized this 30 some odd years later. And so we all can affect people's lives. And that example that you just gave is something that I don't know whether he recognized himself as a leader, but, but the way that he, he helped you is certainly that. And, and just the way you talk about him with fondness and, and respect and all the good stuff. Um, yeah, it's a, it's an important thing to consider and re to remember that we're, we're all leaders. And don't you think Dave, as you know, as you know, you reflect on that and I reflect on people like a judge Dempster, it, you know, mm. Every interaction counts, right? I mean, it when we think about those things that are powerful for us, you know, it it forces me sometimes to pause when I'm in a rush or I'm multitasking or somebody bops their head in. It's like the every interaction really has the opportunity to make a difference. And, mm -hmm. you know, and I think about it a lot today. We just had an all-staff meeting and it's mental health month. And you know, really talking to my team about, you know, what can we do to better support each other? How do we make room for each other? I mean, I, I am really mindful that that Americans are are more stressed out than they've ever been. Young people are more stressed out than they've ever been. And how do you, you know, so you think about leading, but you also think about supporting and you think about that interaction that to you may just be like, of, of course, I'd invite you in to do X, Y, and Z, or in course, you know, I'd ask you to be on my task force, or I'd ask you to 
join me for a cup of coffee. Yeah. But, you know, it's looking back and saying those interactions really mean, you know, sometimes make a difference for people. Yeah, they do. And 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 for mental health month, it's been a, a hell of a mental health month for me because uh, at 50, well, 51, but at 50 earlier th- this year, I was diagnosed with ADHD. And it's been this huge revelation for me. Um, and I, I've, I've been pretty vocal about it, trying to it obviously remove the stigma, but but help people understand more about it as I learn more about it. So it's been uh, been a pretty fascinating uh, ride so far. So yeah, yeah. Good and good for you for for you know hitting your fifties and realizing you're never we're never too old to explore like what's up, what's making us tick. You know yeah. why, why do I have these inclinations or why do I? I yeah, I think good for you. Thanks. You know? Yeah. I've, I've actually just created this new motivational presentation. I haven't delivered it yet. It's brand new, but because it's be, all, it's based on this story with the, with the three takeaways of self-love, finding your community, like finding your people that you can, you, you know, and, and self-respect as well as part of that. Um, but it's a pretty, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty excited about this. So I'll, I'll keep nice. you posted. Um, yeah, please do. Congratulations yeah. on that. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. All right. So moving along to the lightning round. So, and we will, uh, we'll wrap this up. <laughs> so complete this sentence. Nice guys and gals finish first. Yes. How is Shirley nice to herself? Uh, so I am nice to myself in that I don't deprive myself. Um, I, you know, I am not one of those people. I, I, um, I literally was kind of wowed by Martha Stewart being on the cover of, of sports illustrated bathing suit. And then when she said she didn't eat bread or pasta for months and, and no glasses of wine. And she, and I was like, okay, you know what? I'm sorry. That falls in the category of life is simply too short. So (laughs) I am. I just don't put me on the cover of Sports Illustrated. I'm totally good. You know what? I'm going to go and have tacos tonight with a glass of wine. So whatever. Um, on, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, you know, I find I, I everything in moderation, but I, I don't deprive myself. I, I think I kind of do the things that I want to do. I also, you know, I, I really um, prioritize spending time with family because that fills my cup back up. Yeah. So, um, you know, kind of finding opportunities to do that is is really good and very joyful for me. And then the last thing I would say is I also um, I also am very thoughtful about my travels. Traveling mm. to me is a passion. I love seeing new places. I love meeting new people. I love kind of trying to think about immersing myself into, you know, what would it be like to live here and yeah. um so I I I find that's another area where I really kind of I'm very mindful about where I want to go, um, how I want to do it, and um, make sure that I make it a priority to do it. I have very old living room furniture, but I go on great trips. That's cool. Yeah, we're the we're, we're my wife and I. One of our family mottos is experiences over things. Um, so we're very much my wife and I met in Galway, Ireland, of all places. So you know that just goes to show you. But our kids have have already seen a a fair amount of uh, different countries. And yeah, it, it's it's definitely something we love to do. So I'll tell you the downside of that day. We did the same thing. We started taking our kids, you know, early and often and, you know, Italy when they're five and all of that kind of stuff. My youngest daughter now lives overseas. And so um, that is the slippery slope, right? You teach them that the world is small and that different cultures are interesting. And then suddenly they're like, 
going to live over here for a few years. And every weekend I'm going to go to different, you know, countries. And it's like, okay, that's great. Kind of miss her, but gives me an excuse to go overseas to visit her. Where does she live? She lives in Germany. Okay. She, nice. Yeah. Yeah. And you you mentioned Italy, and I noticed one of your tweets from a while back about uh, Pompeii being on your bucket list. Have you made it there yet? Oh, that is totally on my bucket list. And it's, um, you know, for as many times as I've gone to Italy, I just have never gone that far south, but I am totally doing that. And I have a feeling that since I tweeted that, I'd like to think that somebody in my family might be planning a trip for me to go there. Nobody ever plans our trips. I'm the queen of the planning, but I'm kind of thinking that maybe I laid out a big hint. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's now on the podcast, so hopefully uh hopefully we'll share it with your your family to uh to hear as well. But yeah, I I've been to Pompeii a couple times, uh, once with the kids and then once in Heather and I's backpacking days a million years ago. And uh I was the first time we went, I we ended up going back a second. We spent two full days exploring Pompeii. My wife the master, she has her master's in education, but she's, but she also studied archaeology and anthropology. And I think that interest was kind of popped back up into her head at the time. And then for me personally, I just was kind of floored by, you know, you talk about broadband and infrastructure and networking and, and rural communities and things and, and just exploring Pompeii and like just the way the way the sewers are, you know, are kind of set up along the curbs and, and, and how different buildings had different things that were designed for different things. It's just a fascinating, uh, fascinating walk through history for sure. So you're telling me it's worth it. That was, that was what your message was to me, Dave, that yes, you must keep Pompeii on your bucket list. Yes. And, and even if you get bored, there's plenty of pasta and wine nearby. So I'm sure you, you would be, you would be good. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I got it covered. All right, last last or last two questions. One, uh, if you had a billboard, what would it say? It would say, "Be kind." I like that. And then, last uh, but not least, Shirley, how can people get a hold of you? Say hello, follow what you're doing, learn more about uh, the work that you do, and of course, the NTCA. Oh, absolutely. Love to share that. So, NTCA, we are at uh, www.ntca.org. Very easy to check us out. Um, you can also find me on there, S. Bloomfield at ntca.org. Um, love to connect with folks, love to hear people's stories. You know, I also think, aside from being a dot, dot connector, um, I, I think of myself as a, a chief storyteller as well. So, love to hear people's stories so that I can help amplify um, where they're appropriate. That's cool. That's I'm I'm a big fan of storytelling. I've done like some storytelling nights and and uh I'm a yeah, I'm a big I'm a big fan of that. In fact, that's actually something I worked with the member relations team on last time we worked together was uh, we went through some exercises about uh storytelling and uh yeah, it seemed to go over really well. I think everybody really enjoyed that. Did the team loved you. So absolutely it went well. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. All right. Well, Shirley, thank you so much for your time today. I really do appreciate it. And it's, it's wonderful being able to chat more. And uh, yeah, let's keep in touch. It was fun. And Dave, love what you're doing. Keep it up.
Hey, thanks so much for listening to the show today. Would you do me a favor? Leave a review. The reviews help others discover the show and they mean a lot to me. So I would appreciate that. Did you know I am often hired as a keynote speaker for company retreats or for conferences? To find out more about that, you can visit davedelaneyspeaks.com. Music by Alistair Crystal at alistaircrystal.ca. We'll see you next time and be nice. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe.